0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast, Bobcast episode 51, with a very special guest. But before I um, introduce the special guest, let me give you all a little bit of a backstory. Uh, We're going to have to go back in time, so we're looking back at uh, March 2012, and uh, Jack White's about to appear on Saturday Night Live. I had previously heard the song Love Interruption, so it was a, a slow love song. So I was most curious to find out what would happen during the second performance. And during the second performance, Jack came out... And uh, he started off with a song called Sixteen Saltines. But what really got my attention was the drummer behind the kit. Um, Take, I guess, take the ferocity of Dave Grohl's drumming and mix it with a deep, soulful pocket of Questlove, also from Philadelphia, like me. And you'd have somebody that sounds a lot like Drew Jones. Drew, welcome to the Bobcast. Thank you. Thanks
1: for having me on the show.
0: No problem, man. Uh, You grew up in Michigan, right? Yes, sir. And uh, I know that your family... uh, your roots uh, start in the church, like with gospel, right? Yes, sir. But Mac, in your mind, what's the first like moment where you realize, yeah, I want to be a performer, I want to be that guy on stage? Oh, um, that's a good question. <laughs> well, you know, as, as you know, I started, I
1: started playing drums at the age of four, and I started in church. My mom and dad, they're both music directors and organists slash pianists in church, so um, I got my start there when I went to church. I had a lot of cousins and uncles that played the drums. And I was revered, and I was like, I want to do that. But, you know, just to fast forward, you know, coming up in church, they had a lot of groups that were performing. And, you know, I eventually grew into that, you know, by watching them. I was like, you know, I want to, you know, eventually do this professionally. So, yeah, at a young age, you know, between four and then when I got, you know, later, early teens, that's when I, you know, the passion really got stronger and stronger. Uh, to, to, to to you
0: know become a performer. So once you uh, harness this passion, like can you go back in your mind and tell me like um when was your first performance in front of a, a group? Okay, well I'll, I'll fast forward, you know, to, uh, from the church.
1: I, I have one performance that I can remember when I was I was um, I was fourteen and I had um I had the honor uh, to play for a stage play in, 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 in Saginaw, Michigan. It was with um, a gospel singer by the name of Vanessa Bell Armstrong. Um, I think she was singing and it was like, you know, they, at that time they were doing a lot of those stage, it was like gospel stage plays. And they had a live band, you know, that would play the music. And I got a call to do that. Um, I one of my older mentors had this, this, this group called the Roger Jones Trio, which, you know, we took a lot of gospel and we kind of jazzed it up and, you know, you know, it our own twist. But anyway, we were the backing band from this play. And you know, once I did that, you know, the, once you know, people found out, you know, who were the 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 musician um, in the band, you know, they were really appreciative. And I was, you know, I was really young at that time, so I'm like, oh man, like, okay, now, you know, it, it, it just gave me the curse. like, okay, I am doing the right things, you know. Uh, so it was that moment that I can remember when I did that stage play that uh, featured that gospel uh, legend, um, Vanessa Bill Armstrong. Yeah, that's, one, that's a
0: moment that I can, re- I can remember. So that's a moment in your life you uh, feel really good. You must have felt really good when you purchased your first CD or tape or record in a store. Do you remember it? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go back. <laughs> one of the, the, the thing is, um, my, my mom is a, is a choir director like like,
1: for over 30 years, so, you know, she collected a lot of records, you know what I'm saying, whatever was out at that time, like, piece new music to the choir. So, you know, I, I kind of already had my ears to the streets. I knew, you know, I would look at the credits of who was playing like drums and, and I, I wanted to go get, you know, whatever record that they were on. Um, well, it, this wasn't one of my first, but no, this wasn't my first CD, but it was probably one of my, one of my favorites. But um, the project is by John Patatucci. John um, Patatucci and Patitucci is a bassist and he had this project called On The Corner which featured one of my favorite drummers of all time, any kind of unit. <laughs> that, that was incredible. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's um, John I've got to you on the corner. So, um, I, we're talking about Pocket, right? Like, you, my friend, Thank have you. a very unique sense of the Pocket. Um, such a unique sense that you've been able to work with such artists as Nas, Kweli, Black Milk, Esperanza, Spaulding, amongst others. But I gotta ask you, because uh, I'm a big hip-hop fan, and Nas this, uh, this year is celebrating the 20th anniversary of Illmatic. What was it like working with uh, such a genius?
1: Oh man, I was. It was an honor. I, I was. It was real. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I grew up as a kid listening to that to that record. So like, to have that experience as a kid and then like years later, you know what I'm saying? be on yeah. stage, like rocking, it was just like it was surreal. Like, I knew the lyrics, you know, to the song. So it was it was an amazing, amazing experience. And Nas is like, a really he's a really nice guy guy to work with Bill, Bill, Joe you know what I'm saying and, he, and he respect me you know for what I did so it was it was it was an amazing
0: experience so the sense of style it also gardened the attention of um, other artists uh, other legends such as uh, Raekwon Currency Black Moon Digable Planets and The Large Professor and uh, I, once again I gotta go back to my hip hop uh, roots here I'm a huge Wu-Tang fan what was it like working with the chef oh man that was an amazing experience
1: as well um that particular um, situation came via an event in, in New York titled called Norse Makers, which was hosted um, by Peter Rosenberg, who works for um, on Hot ninety seven. And um, they had these events where they were invite like legendary, you know, um, hip hop artists and also musicians. Um, it's like a talk show, and basically, you know, we cover we, we would do like you know we do tributes to to the artist's music, so. Um, the name of the band was um, Cipher at the time and we we covered um, some of the best of of um, uh, catalog so that's how that came about and he he asked if he could rock with the band you know on a couple of numbers at the end of this of talk like, show so that was when I got a chance to, um, to rock with him and it was amazing it was the same scenario like being a kid listening to you know world this, you know music and, and knowing the lyrics and now like I'm more. on
0: it's, it's, it's a, a blessing, definitely. Uh I think it's amazing that uh you've been able to work with such legends. Um you do a lot of traveling. Um at one point I guess in your career you make it out to Vienna and you um you meet up with the guys in the Rough Pack. What can you tell me about the Rough Rough Pack, uh the band? the Rough, the rough Pack, um, is a
1: trio. Uh, myself Drums, Matthias Rocher Guitar and Stefan Condor um bases and those those guys they're based well they're they're, they're from Vienna. Uh, the, 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 the charge, Matt, he, is, he just moved back to New York like at the end of last year, so he's here. But they you know, they're originally from,
0: from um Austria. And I let those you wanna you want to know them or? Um I, I I myself I've watched the YouTube videos and it's fantastic, but what, what can you tell uh, the Thank Bobcast you. listeners out there, like wh- what is that type of style that you guys uh you emulate there on stage? Okay we
1: a lot of um hip hop, with jazz, you know. And it's still like you know we're fans of both worlds, so we're just trying to collide them two together, as well as some rock and roll and soul. So that's picking much the vibe. Um, with you know with our influences, inspirations, um the hip hop producers like DJ Dilla, and so on and so forth. So we try to diffuse that style. And you know, I feel like I feel like. We have our, our sound. I mean, it's still developing, but I feel like we have a sound because it's a
0: mixture of all, you know, all of our different influences. But we mix it in with, like, the fusion, you know, the fusion jazz. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, that's what that is. It reminded me, uh, the first time I listened to it, it reminded me of uh, the group Medeski Martin & Wood mixed with, like, a little bit of uh, the hip-hop element. Are you familiar with the group? Yeah, I am. I am, for sure. Yeah, I love that fusion-type sound, that, that thick, um, produced sound. Uh, speaking of... Um, Producing. Uh, you yourself are a producer and um, you uh, own and operate uh, Rusic Records, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, um, the label itself is a boutique.
1: You know, it's, it's still up and coming. I mean, it's, the name has been around for, for 10 years, though. Like, um, I've been branding that thing even before the MySpace days. But yeah. Rusic Records is um pretty much just my, my sound. My I call it soul hop, which is a combination of soul music and hip hop together. Um, because I like to, I like, I wanted to make my beats, you know, more like, you know, have a, you know, a huge hip hop, you know, um, aggression, you know, like, well, I don't want to just say like at the golden era, like the 90s style, because it's like, you know, I feel like I've went beyond that, but yeah, so that's Rubik's records, um, Ruzik just came up from my name, like Daru, I just took
0: the R off, yeah, Roo, great. And, I, and I took the M off to, like, uh, music, so it was music. you know what I'm saying? Do you call, so, do you call um, the players uh, musicians? I'm sorry, I want to time. I'm saying, you should call the musicians you work with musicians. <laughs> that's a good idea. You know what I mean? But anyways, the <laughs> vibe
1: for Ruzik was, you know, to kind of be more, the to be more positive, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, not to be cheesy, but, I, you know, I still, do remi- I still do remixes. I'll remix, like, some classic hip-hop joints, but I may, like, reverse to profanity. You know, I just, you know, I, I just feel like the vibe and energy, Um, I want it to be positive. And then also, uh, the things that I sample, when I start, when I sample, I, I, I use, I sample a lot of um gospel, you know what I'm saying? Which is rare in hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm developing and have been developing my sound. Um. It still it's, it's it's still the same aggression like some people. Like, people I'm inspired by like Cam'ron and Rizzo, um, Jay Z, and so on. But it's I, but as far as um the vibe from I some men like Gospel, you know what I'm saying? So definitely,
0: you know, yeah. Trying to break, break some barriers, you know what I'm saying? So um, moving forward in time here, uh, we're up in 2012 here, and um. You appear on the album Blunderbuss, and then uh, recently um, for Jack's uh, second solo outing, Lazaretto And first off, let me just say uh, up front here, congratulations on yesterday breaking the record. Forty thousand copies of the Ultra LP have been sold, beating um, the record in 1991 by Pearl Jam, the album Vitality. So, congratulations on that. The combination, Thanks, the combination of you guys playing together, you mix like the hard rock with the deep soulful rhythms that you're just speaking about previously. I gotta say, the result is uh it's amazing. Um how did you uh get linked up with Jack? Okay, um we're
1: making up with Jack May via uh, hip hop. Um two thousand eleven. No, it was two thousand ten. Um the artist Black Milk from Detroit, he's a um rapper slash so petition, really something to do with Jack in Detroit. Um I guess Jack I, I think this is the story that I that I heard. Um uh, You know, Jack, he's a huge hip-hop head for y'all to know that he's a huge hip-hop head. But anyway, he was doing these um, collaborations for his label, Thurman uh, Thurman Records, and he was doing collaborations. And um, I've heard that he, he, um, Black Luke has this album that I played on the title, Alpha of the Year. And um, there's a song on here titled, Bentley, which has a rock and roll sample in it. And I heard that Jack heard just, you know, got a hold and heard the song and he got excited. And rushed out to, to Black Milk about doing a collaboration. So anyway, you know, Black Milk, since I was playing at Black's tour and band, Black didn't go down there by itself. It's like, all right, I, I'll do it, but I want to bring my own my own guys. So we all went to Nashville, did the session with talked which was an amazing experience. And we also had a performance at Third Man Records, which is like, you know, all in one facilities. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we had a performance stage. We did a performance at Third Man Records, and, um,. I knew Jack was a drummer. But anyway, during a drawing set with Black Milk, there's a song titled Losing Now and I have a drum solo. So I do this drum solo and after the after the song was over, Jack was in the back of the audience and he ran to the front of the stage and he shouted he yeah. started, <laughs> I guess I did some, something cool. <laughs> so, um after that I went I went back home to New York and um a few months later I got an email from this this um personnel that he wanted to know if I was available to come back to Nashville as he was doing
0: a um, collaboration with RZA from Wu-Tang Clan, which I'm a huge fan of. Yes, definitely. I was like, like, word? I was like, excited. I
1: went down to Nashville and got to the session um, and got in the studio and RZA canceled the the session the same thing. So so it it actually turned out to be a blessing. So Jack, he felt bad. He didn't didn't want to send you home. So it was like, yo, i got some solo things I've been working on. And I actually started, from what I was told, started the Blunderbuss project because Trash Talk, Trash Talk Talk was one of the first tracks that, that we recorded, and I didn't even know that I was going to be a part of the Blunderbuss album. So, um, yeah, that's how that happened. And then fast forward into 2011, onto 2012, um, this person reached out to me again, and they wanted to inquire about my my ability. And that's to make a long story short, that's how you know, that's how it worked out. And then Jack eventually he let me like, you know he had a, the, um, the songs that we recorded was a part of his first solo record and he was preparing for a tour
0: and he wouldn't know, you know, see my availability and, and that's, how, that's, how, that's how it worked out. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's proven to be a, a successful union in my opinion. Uh, Lazaretto is uh, probably one of the best songs ever to drive to work to in the morning. Oh, that's what's up, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> the drum beat, like, you don't need no coffee if you listen to that track in the morning, you know what I'm saying? A lot of hip-hop roots to it. Definitely. I don't know if you know the story, but I think he breaks it down, like, you know,
1: what inspired him to, to make that, which, you know, it, it came via hip-hop, so that's yeah. right up my
0: alley, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was fortunate enough uh, on Saturday to, uh, st- I couldn't go to the concert myself, but I streamed the performance on uh, uh, Bonaroo. So, the Bonnaroo, uh show that you just did, it it was insane. It was a uh, one of the best performances I ever seen. Uh, you gave it your all, one hundred percent. There. What was it like? They were up on stage playing all those people. Wow. I mean,
1: it was the crowd had amazing energy, and and and, and people must know that that's very really important to us. You know, like we feed off the energy of the of, the, of the crowd. You know, so we we play towards the vibe. You know what I'm saying? So if the people are vibing and rocking it out. It makes us want to get, get them, that's what they're giving us. So that's, that's the best way I can I can say. These. We played what we were getting. Like
0: whatever was different from the audience, that's what we played, and it was amazing. Yeah, it it was definitely. Amazing. It definitely shone through in the performance. Um, being a musician myself, uh, I'm a fan of going to shows, obviously, and uh, I enjoy. Uh, watching bands play. I also watching. I, I like watching bands make mistakes. Uh, one time I saw Motley Crue uh, start playing two different songs at once, and it took 30 seconds before they figured it out. So give me something uh, from like your career, like these moments of just pure hijinks where you don't think it's going to work out, and all of a sudden the ending, it comes together. <laughs>
1: okay, um, that's a good question. Um, I think I originally had experience like that on, on the Blunderbuss tour. Sometimes Jack will go off and do something totally new, and we like we don't even know like what's going on. So we we gotta just like you know have to you know follow along and play with them. Sometimes because we, we don't have a set list, so he
0: sometimes he breaks out into like a, a song that we've never rehearsed to play forever in life. <laughs> I think that's what's great about what Jack's doing right now is that Jack he realizes like you know he's playing the classics, but what he does is he re- reinvents them and presents them in new different styles or you know what I mean, he'll mix it around, maybe play just the first verse and then go into another track. But uh it's because each show's different. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, I can't remember the song right off the bat, but that's
1: happened where, you know, he will go into another song, but then it would get fused into one of one of his original records. So that's that's happened several times. Um that's
0: yeah, that's that's, really <laughs> that's what I love about music. I mean is there's moments I mean I, I love you know, performing, but it's also, like, when those things happen, it's just, like, it makes it fresh, just like, you know, you're a young kid again, picking up your instrument for the first time, and you, like, got to figure it out. You guys, uh, you just finished your North American tour, and you're uh, you're about to head across the pond and play the big festival, Glastonbury. That's going to be great. Uh, my question is, do you prefer the festivals, or do you prefer, like, the small venues? I know you guys played in uh, Los Angeles. You played the Mayan Theater, which is a fantastic place to be. What, uh, Which one do you like? I
1: like both. Yeah. It's two, two, two different two different energies.
0: Now the intimate the intimate cities, you know, are cool. I like both. I like both. It's just I don't like one more than other. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, they, they both have things to offer, and yeah, definitely playing off the crowd is uh, a way to do it. Yeah, you know what? Coincidentally, let me ask you a question. Um, do you know why Jack always skips Philly when he's on tour? You know what? Better yet, you know, you got my phone number. Tell Jack to give me a call. I'd love to find out. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I've gone to see him in Baltimore. I saw, I went out to L.A. I saw, uh, I think it was, where did you guys play on the Blunderbuss tour? It was uh, down in Wilshire, like uh, Mm -hmm. the Wilterland Theater, right? Yeah, yes, sir. -hmm. But yeah, he's got to come to Philly. We want him here in Philadelphia. There's a a growing audience for uh, the material you guys uh, have coming out.
1: Philly, but, you know, I'm not really into, like, all of the venues. I'm not sure. Is it, like, a a, a, a big venue or, like, a, when y'all bring, like, the
0: rock and roll acts? Like, I'm not hip. Uh, yeah, I mean, Philly's got a lot to offer. I mean, Jack likes to do, like, three different shows at once. He could start off at the Theater of Living Arts. He could, sm- he could play at a small club. My friend Scooter owns a place called The Grape Room. Or he can go big and play the stadium. But uh, there's also an outdoor theater named the Man Theater, which I think would be perfect uh, for the band. Wow. The setting, you know what I mean? It's it's uh, an amazing place, amazing city. So after the tour ends this year, um, what's coming up for you uh, as far as uh, Daru you know, in the the Ruzica Productions?
1: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really trying to fit it in. It's just been overwhelming, just you know, with the with the um, tour. But you know, we have a couple projects that are you know pretty much done. Just waiting to get it everything mixed. Um, we have a project um, with China Moses, which is a singer. She uh, resides in Paris. Her mom is thinking uh, Bridgewater. And we just briefly recorded an um, EP with her. Look out for that project. And we have another instrumental project in tribute to Beyond his Monk, which I'm very excited about this project. So, you know, those two projects are um, pretty much backed recording. I mean, on the recording side, they're done. We just got to get it mixed. And we're looking for situations for both of those. As far as music, um, I still want to push my latest release with my sister, Rena. um, the name of that project is Title Honey, and we released it, after, we released it last year in November, and, um, I didn't really get, it, get a chance to push it as much as I wanted to because, you know, things picked up in my other working scenario. so I'm hoping to, you know, do some more videos and actually perform that that project, and I'm always working on other things outside of that, like, um, oh yeah, I forgot, this is other artists. um, Named Liam, Liam, um, he's from UK. I, you know, we had the honor to work with him and a um, legendary pro- producer, so, Salam Remy. He, you know, produced Amy, Amy Winehouse and a bunch of others that he was responsible for helping like certain people get their breaks, like the Pooch. You know, he was involved in. So I had an opportunity to work with him, and I heard that this album is going to be coming out um, sometime this year. So. Look out for that project. I don't know what the title is. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at this, this cat named Liam. Liam Bailey. He's really dope, really dope singers. Um, so check for that, and um, and I'll keep y'all posted. You know, I'm always doing beats and you know, you know, side projects. So you you know, I keep, I keep, I try to um update
0: stuff on my website. You know, so people can check stuff out. So yeah, the, and the website is rusticrecords.com. Daru, uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out this afternoon. Um, once again, congratulations on your success. Uh, I wish you and the band much uh, luck over there across the pond, and I hope you guys continue to uh, kill it across the venues internationally. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and um,
1: I look forward to hear, you know, checking the podcast. And, and thanks, to everybody, for all the positivity that y'all been sending on the social networks. And Lazzarato, I appreciate it. We really appreciate it for sure. Thank you.
0: My guest today has been Daru Jones. Thank you for listening to another
1: episode of Bobcast.